Hi, welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Laura Hunt, and with me today is my co-producer, Sally Jo Spaney, and we are going to talk about um, the winter blues today with Dr. Holly Jelinek of the Woodview Counseling Center in Madison. Um, Dr. Jelinek is a licensed psychologist specializing in health psychology, and she works a lot with geriatrics. Welcome, Dr. Jelinek. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's so nice to have you here, Dr. Jelinek. I am excited to have you here to um, share with our aging adults the, some ways to fight um, the blues and maintain our emotional health during these challenging Wisconsin winters. Before we get started, will you please talk a little bit about the changing definitions of aging? Absolutely. When I was young and in training, anything over 50 or 55 was considered old. And AARP and all of those things sort of uh, balanced that out with that idea. But in today's world, people are not considered to be old until they're at least 65. Mm -hmm. So there's the young old, 65 to 74, the middle old, 75 to 84, and the old old, 85 and up. And the number of people who are living to 100, the number of people who are living with uh, consequences of aging and looking for things to do has increased, and it's helpful to have a program like this to speak about that. Sure is. Um, could you then tell us um, who you'll mostly be uh, focusing on when you talk about the typical symptoms of the blues or even depression? Well, today I thought we'd talk mostly about um, around 60 or 65, when people are getting ready to retire or are retiring. There is, there's the whole concept of how you plan for retirement, and the main thing that most people need to do, and some unfortunately don't, is have a plan for that. What do you do when you're no longer working and going to a place every day, um, whether you're employed or volunteering, for meaningful activity? That's the single most important thing to have as we get older, someplace where we're valued. And in the wintertime, those long, dreary days can be a real challenge, as, as stated earlier. What are some of the typical symptoms somebody might start to experience? Usually it begins with uh, lethargy or fatigue, lack of interest, letting go of the normal things that make a person content or happy or positive, too tired to go to card club, not interested in going to church, even on a good weather day I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when it's icing outside, but just lack of interest, lack of motivation, maybe sleeping more than previously, pulling away. Do you see some symptoms um, occur more frequently in certain of those age groups than others? I think those symptoms can occur in any of the age groups, but we also have to normalize if you're 70 or 75 or 80, there's nothing wrong with taking a nap in the afternoon. That's actually a pretty healthy thing. That in itself doesn't mean that you're getting into some level of depression or uh, checking out. That may mean you're refreshing. That If the nap is three or four hours, that's a different thing. But a half hour or an hour or a rest or a sit down or something like that in the middle of the day can actually be quite refreshing. Should I be concerned if somebody close to me that I care about comes to me and says, hey, Sally Joe, you, you don't seem yourself lately. Should I be, what should I be doing in that case? Is that always something I need to pay a lot of attention to? Not necessarily. If you have something on your mind that you can label as why you're pulled away, there's, you know, a friend is uh, moving away that means a lot to you, you're in the process of selling your home, Uh, you're downsizing, you're thinking about senior living, all of these things take a lot of emotional 
energy from us. So those are particulars. Mostly, I think we're speaking about when there's no explanation. Nothing has really changed in the situation. No one has moved away. The work environment isn't changing at this point. You've been retired or as I say, if you're just retired, that's a different thing. But it's, it's more about what do we do when we just don't feel like ourselves and it goes on for a number of weeks. And then say I do feel that way, you know, how do I know it's time to reach out? I always tell people, if you feel it, it's time to reach out. There's no question about it. You don't have to wait and see. It's uh, very important. And I think in this Midwestern culture, people are more hesitant than some of the other cultures uh, across the United States. It's very important if you don't feel like yourself for more than a few days and you've ruled out that it's a cold or bronchitis, it's not your appendix, it's not anything else medical, and it's not that we're in the middle of an ice storm and you just can't get out of the house. Right. But one of the differentials is if you're antsy to get out and you can't get out, you're probably not depressed mm -hmm. after those three ice days. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're just as happy to be like a little puppy in the kennel, then after a few days, most of us need to be energized by being back in the world. Well, there is some stigma attached to mental health that I know a lot of people fight. And, you know, we're always looking for ways to break those barriers down. Um, could you talk a little bit about the number of aging adults that seek out help and how it really does turn things around for them? I would tell you that more people seek help than you know because many don't speak about it. And I think the stigma is changing and that's a wonderful thing because I believe in the mind-body connection and we're one um, person with all of those different elements and we have to treat and take care of every part. Just as we need to move and stay flexible as we get older to try to avoid falls, we have to keep our brain moving and our emotions moving so that we keep our brain flexibility and our emotional flexibility. What do you think are some of the most um are some of the easiest things for um, an older adult to engage in to maintain that emotional health? The most important thing is to maintain social relationships. And that can be a very serious challenge as friends and neighbors and card club members and church friends move away uh, or pass away or uh, come down with dementia or have any of these other things. So I usually challenge people to try to make new friendships or new connections. Get to know um, your 40-year-old uh, neighbor, have lunch with someone and be a mentor to them, but find something some, acti some meaningful activity where you are participating, your brain is participating, you can look forward to it, they expect you to come, and you can develop a relationship. And one of the great... Oh, sorry. I, was, I, was, I was reading something kind of similar to that um, about the loneliness issue with um, older adults saying that you should really work hard to have multi-generational friends. So, because as you're older and those things start to happen to friends... Um, Absolutely. It'll have a little bit less of a negative impact on you if you have that wider group of friends. Absolutely. And it's actually incredibly healthy and stimulating. It's good for your brain to get to know someone else. doesn't mean the first person you meet might be the person you want to have lunch with five times. But, <laughs> but just to engage in something new, that's part of the challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the wonderful um, opportunities that Madison um, adults have is all the wonderful programs that Laura puts together at the Madison Senior Center. Absolutely. And um, the other senior centers throughout Madison also offer programming that adults can take part in, um, oftentimes free of charge or, or low cost. So when you talk about learning, making new friends and maybe learning something new, going to any of those programming is a great place to start. The other thing about Madison that's pretty nice is that um, 
you can go to any movie theater, you can go to any restaurant, people of all ages go to most of these places. We really don't have the kind of exclusivity that some communities have mm -hmm. about people, certainly people over 70 or 75. There are so many ways people can be in the community in general, even without the programming. So there's mm -hmm. no reason not to go to a movie, there's no reason not to go to church, right. there's no reason not to go to a coffee shop. So say um, an older adult reaches out for help, calls your office at Woodview Counseling and says, um, you know, I've never been to an appointment like this before. What could I expect? Well, usually um, in the practice I'm in now, I usually have a good 10 to 30 minute conversation with someone over the phone to see if it would be a good fit and to see what they're looking for and to see if what they're interested in is the areas in which I work. If they're looking for something uh, like drug and alcohol treatment, for example, that's not my strong suit. What are your areas? I work in health psychology, so I work with people um, who are dealing with mind-body connection issues. I work with loss. I do a lot of work with death and dying, with family members who have someone um, developing dementia. I actually work with the dementia patients as well. I work fa with families to explain that. I help people who um, are permanent residents of wheelchairs. I help people who are post-polio, all kinds of things. Wonderful. Heart disease, you name it, anything. So you have this 10 to 30 minute conversation. What kinds of questions might you ask? I ask why they're looking for help and what the primary reason they're looking for help is. And often they don't know exactly what the primary reason is and they'll say something else. And, and it's a mini interview. I think it's a mini interview. So it sounds like from some of the things that you listed are reasons for seeking therapy, we're talking a little bit about the blues today, but it's it's more about coping sometimes, sometimes that people need the help with. Exactly, and I see my role and my style is as a problem-solving therapist. Things happen. This is part of coming from the health perspective. You lose a leg, it's a terrible thing, but what do you do next? You know, you don't have the same lung capacity you had when you were young. What do you do next? It's, it's more of that model of, okay, what now? Mm -hmm. so, and grieving it at the same time. Yes. At the right. same time. Um, so once somebody decides, okay, um, I want to make an appointment, maybe they start with their physician um, and they get referred to whatever um, psychologists are on the physician's list and they find out, oh, I have a three or six month wait. What am I going to do in the meantime? Can you talk a little bit about what to do? Certainly. Um, Madison has a number of HMOs and they keep people tight within the HMO but once a person is on Medicare that person can go almost anywhere to any practice that oh, takes Medicare great. and so they are not specifically dependent on their HMO either A for a referral or B for anything else so they can go through uh, formats of finding a mental health professional, whether it's a psychologist, a social worker, a family therapist, by doing certain things like asking friends, asking neighbors, mm -hmm. ask your pastor, your clergy, ask your primary physician, ask the nurse who works with the primary physician. And then um, a number of us in Madison use a resource called Psychology Today, and it's an ad uh, that you can get to on the internet. You can put in the zip code where you want to go to therapy and all of us pop up for whatever, whether you go by zip code or by symptom. You can put in that you can't sleep at night. You can put in that you're blue. You can put in that you've lost your appetite. You can put any symptom in at all and the people who treat those symptoms will come up and That's you can choose. That can be overwhelming too. Most of those people really like to have someone help them do that and choosing. If, mm -hmm. if one of um, someone's looking for someone who's skilled in working with people who are aging and experiencing all kinds of different um, 
life changes. Um, would there be a word there on that website they could? Yes, geriatrics okay. and or aging and or accepts Medicare. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. I guess that would fit, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, there might be some others, but um, if your issues are about sleep or appetite or those things and you are over 65, you do want to make sure you call a practitioner who accepts Medicare if that's mm -hmm. what you're going to be using. But it's not as hard as it used to be now that we have the um, information highway to find people. We're all listed under our own practices. Most people don't know how to find those. but and, and I'm not plugging psychology today, and I get no kickback. And there are a number of other mm -hmm. things like that. But mm -hmm. you can also just Google our names and find us, or you can Google licensed psychologist, or you can right. Google family therapist, whatever it is you're looking for. Now, Medicare is trickier because sometimes they only pay for psychologists. So that's something to check out when you're looking as well. So the versus like a social worker or some other kind of therapist, okay? Correct. And um, I know we talked a little bit about um, SAD, and yes. you said, surprisingly, almost everyone in Wisconsin experiences that to northern, some degree. Exactly. In the northern climates, almost all of us have SAD, seasonal affective disorder. Affect is your mood, and seasonal has mm -hmm. to do with winter. I don't know if it's really a disorder exactly, but that's what it's called. And most of us are affected by the loss of daylight. There's barely a person that I have ever met since I've lived in Wisconsin, which is many years now, that um, doesn't have some reaction to the change of seasons. What are some things that can help if someone's starting to feel those sorts of symptoms? Self-care mm -hmm. to begin with. Thinking about, is this really me or has something happened? Is this because I'm snowed in for three days or is this just, I don't care anymore? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, we've so enjoyed having you here today. Thank to you so much. Talk with us about um, beating those winter blues and learning about the different symptoms that we might experience and where to go for help. So, Dr. Jelinek, it's been a real pleasure having you on Senior Beat today. And Thank you so much. I wish you a cheerful rest of the winter. Thank you. I wish the same to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Welcome back to Senior Beat. In our second segment today, we will be talking with Ellen Millar, who is a yoga instructor and recently opened her own studio. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's nice to have you here, Ellen. We're pretty excited. So, Ellen, you haven't always practiced yoga, have you? No, not at all. <laughs> I didn't start yoga until I was 74 years old. Wow. So, from what I understand, it's become a pretty important part of your life, and we'd like to start by hearing your story, so how you went from starting yoga at age 74 to owning a yoga studio. Well, at 74, I had had three surgeries. Uh, in the process of going through those surgeries, I had to quit my job, and what I felt was really aging settling in and even more than aging I felt like 
death wasn't too far away because life wasn't very exciting. Uh, my back hurt. Um, I didn't have as many social connections because I wasn't working. And I just felt like there wasn't much exciting left in life. Um, but then one day uh, I saw this Groupon offer for one month unlimited yoga. And I'd heard so many people talk about yoga and the benefits. And I thought, well, the doctors aren't sh doing anything that shows any improvement, chiropractors either. Why not just give this a shot? You know, I have to just say, I recently was talking with Chris from Wisconsin Healthy Aging Institute, and she shared with me that only 20% of what you um, learn at the doctor's office impacts your health. It's more about how you think and what you do personally. Your mind is so powerful, yeah. so powerful. Um, literally, one class, I could feel the beginning of a difference. When I wow. got home and stepped off the elevator... I had a little bit of a spring in my step, which I hadn't had for a while. And so that encouraged me to keep going. Um, it wasn't always easy because um, I was old in comparison to other people going there, but I had tunnel vision. I was going for a reason, and I forgot about everybody else and just focused on doing what I could do. And literally, I couldn't do everything. Um, and that was really good because I wasn't comparing myself to other people uh, and I was just working on myself. And that's what yoga is all about, learning to become more aware of yourself and how to really use your body in a way that's beneficial. Uh, so after a year, I got thinking, you know, I bet I'm not the only person who's getting to that point in life where maybe things don't look so rosy anymore, and we don't have to be like that. Uh, if we start to think that we can't do something, we can't. Well, we can't do it then, yeah. If we start to think, well, maybe I can, and we're willing to step outside the box a little bit, it's amazing what can happen. Uh, so this is the most powerful thing that we have going for us. And we just need to start thinking, let's give this a try. And so I asked the woman who owned the studio where I was practicing if she thought I would be able to get through teacher training so that I could encourage and work with other seniors that might be on that slippery slope to not being happy in older age. And she said, I know what you want to do with this. We'll find a way to get you through. So with her help and the help of one other local yoga teacher who is absolutely amazing, and he knows that I'm talking about him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they got me through teacher training, and I started going around to senior apartment complexes and encouraging other people uh, to get up off the couch and to try things. And it isn't doing the stereotype yoga. I mean, I think when a lot of people think of yoga, they think of difficult poses, maybe even getting your legs behind your head. That's what I was going to ask if you, yeah. if you have to do that kind of thing to practice with you. No, <laughs> no. Uh, a lot of yoga is just simple stretches. 
just a shoulder roll, just moving your shoulder, getting your shoulder to move. Um, we use a ball and we just squeeze the ball and that's really good for people with arthritis in their hands. Uh, we move every part of our body but we move it as the person is able. Uh, we work with people that have shoulder replacements, knee replacements, hip replacements. Uh, we work with people with walkers. We can work with people in wheelchairs. Uh, and we adapt the practice to the person and what they're able to do. You, you and I talked a little bit about chair yoga, which mm -hmm. we offer at the, our Madison Senior Center. But you encourage people to not use the chair, right? Uh, it depends on the person. Um, balance is one of the big issues for seniors, as I know both of you are aware, and so are most of the older people. Uh, we work on balance, and what we do is what they call tree pose. We start out standing on one leg, we turn our other leg, and bring our heel to our leg so that our toes are holding us on one foot and our other foot is holding us on the floor. Some people hold onto the chair with both hands. Some people with one hand. Eventually, if you practice long enough and your legs get strong enough, you can hold on with one finger. Uh, because it's tree pose, we're thinking of our feet as being the trunk of the tree with roots going down into the ground. And because we're a tree, we have branches. So when we're able, we start to grow branches, remembering that not all trees have all of their branches. So right now I have a bad shoulder, so I have no branches on this side when I do tree pose. So it's doing it slowly, step by step, gaining strength, moving ahead, and then with the tree pose, the last thing that we suggest is when you're ready, try closing your eyes. And this is I what, think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. In the wind. <laughs> Balance has many parts to it, and one of the parts is vision. When we close our eyes, we take away that vision. And especially if our legs have weak muscles, uh, it's even worse. But we can take that vision and we can visualize that nice straight spinal column inside of our body, and that helps. And as our legs get stronger, even our core needs to get strong to hold us up. Uh, we do exercises to strengthen our core, to strengthen the muscles along our thighs even that we need for balance. So in the yoga that I have created and that I teach, uh, Easy Yoga Plus, we're working on balance, we're working on flexibility, we're working on strength, we're working on things that really, really are key for the senior. It sounds too like you're also um, helping people learn how to use their mind to control their body in a way that is good for them. Their mind and the other big key is their breath. Because with our breath we can do so much. Breath will control our anxiety. It can be used to decrease the amount of pain. Uh, and so breath work is part of it, awareness, breath. And really yoga is mind, body, and spirit, all parts of our body. Uh, and I've had some people say to me, I can't do yoga because I have a shoulder replacement. 
Yes, maybe you do. But what about your other shoulder? And what about your legs and your feet and your hands? So this shoulder maybe can't grow branches, but this shoulder can. And let's keep this shoulder working so that we don't have two shoulder replacements. So we look at each individual, what they're able to do, and we find a way to help them keep as active as possible. We add in daily living skills, how to get out of a chair, how to get up and down from a floor, uh, so that we can keep active. Uh, Literally, when we change what we're thinking up here about aging, it makes those later years the best years of your life. Who ever thought that this lady at 78 years old would open a yoga studio? Certainly I didn't. (laughs) And yet, you never know what's possible until you really open yourselves up. Let the universe deliver to you what you need. And that's exactly how this has unfolded for me. People have come to me wanting to teach. Um, People have come to me with donations of a refrigerator to put in the studio. It's just the energy that you create when you have positive thoughts uh, really, really can make a big difference. Do you think your age um, puts... Um, like you ha- are most of your um, participants older? Do you think your age makes them more comfortable coming to you and talking to you about what some of their limitations are? Certainly, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of it is um, understanding the older body. And when I first graduated, uh, I was like all yoga teachers. We'd had to learn poses and how to cue and how to sequence classes. We didn't have time really to focus on what happens to the body as it ages. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did was I went to Duke University and took their yoga for seniors training, where we really worked with many physicians from all disciplines, and they talked to us about shoulder replacements, hip replacements. So I've been very careful uh, to make sure that the teachers on my staff understand the senior body so that they can work with the older person when they come in. We also recognize that the older person needs social activities. So December, we had some programs for the kids so they could bring their grandkids, uh, their children. We're doing programs at the end of the day so that the people that are still working that aren't comfortable with the yoga poses, that I call them the pretzel poses, uh, (laughs) that they can come and do yoga. So we're trying to serve all populations. Let's face it, many people when they're young could be in an automobile accident and have a disability the rest of their lives that would make them feel uncomfortable going to another yoga studio. Everybody's welcome at our studio, and we especially welcome their limitations. And what is your studio called? The Lotus Studio. And where are you located? 6601 Grand Teton Plaza. We're right behind Fire Station Number 2 <laughs> on Grand Canyon Road and behind Panero Bread when you come off of Mineral Point. Those are good landmarks. Yeah, and it's yoga accessible. Uh, we're right on the ground level. 
Uh, so it works for people in wheelchairs and people with um, walkers. Great. And when, as, a, as people get older, sometimes I've heard them mention to me that they don't want to wear those yoga clothes. The, the tights and the, you know, they don't have to do that, right? Right, no. Uh, in fact, nobody's done it at my studio, but I have heard people say that the best clothing to wear to do yoga is your pajamas. Right. You really want to wear something loose that's comfortable so that you can move freely. Um, but the teachers come usually dress more in the yoga clothes. Not all of them even mm -hmm. do that, but I don't think there's any students that come to my studio that come dressed in the yoga tights and... So come in what you're comfortable in. Exactly. Great. I mean, that's what it's all about. Learning to be comfortable with yourself, learning that as you age, maybe you've got some things that you have to learn to live with, and learning how to be aware of what those things are. When you're younger, you don't think as much about how your body moves and what you can do. Uh, but as you get older and you start to feel tight, and you've, you've become more aware, and right. then you start to learn how to adapt. So a good place to do that is at your studio. Exactly. We've talked today a little bit about staving off those winter blues. Physical activity can help, and it doesn't have to hurt. No. You can come to um, your studio and learn all about it. And you're an inspiration. Yeah. See you next month on Senior Beat.